Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. We decided to do a bigger show for a big game this week. So joining me to talk about Penn State's upcoming tilt against Ohio State is Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? <laughs> I'm doing wait, wait, to, wait, wait to pander to our uh, our fans in the greater Philadelphia area. I I, I like it. Also I am, joined. I am nothing if not a crowd pleaser. You that is a word that you have used to describe yourself. Certainly also joined uh, by Matt Filipovitz. Nailed it. I went into a I went into a panic right there because I thought my mic was messed up again when Nick started saying nothing. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the Ben Simmons three came, so I knew everything was going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's you know what's weird. I didn't think that the first basketball reference on this podcast was going to be about anything other than hashtag Rank Penn State basketball. So, nor would it come from me. Nor would it come from no. I, I figured you would do something completely out of left field. Like, I figured you would do something out of left field, but not that far out of out of left field. So, great job, Nick. Uh, what do you guys want to do? Would you rather talk about Penn State, Ohio State, or would you rather do live reactions to the Democratic debate that is ongoing right now? Option three, Northwestern talk right away. <laughs> Let's get going. I thought we were doing a four-parter. I thought we were doing Northwestern Democratic debate, uh, Penn State, Ohio State, and then wrap it up with Penn State hoops, where we go into a 90-minute discussion on why uh, Myron, Myron Jones deserved to be player of the year, and they should just stop the season now. <laughs> Uh, that'll, that, that will come, uh, young Matt, but I do think we probably have to spend some time talking about Penn State, Ohio State, the biggest game in the Big Ten this season, the eighth-ranked Nittany Lions heading to Columbus to take on an Ohio State team that looks like it might be historically good. Uh, just a quick preview of something coming a little bit later this week. I sat down with Kevin Harris of 11 Warriors, and in between me recording that earlier today and this, we decided that we were going to have Matt on. So there's going to be some weird references to me and Nick having a conversation without Matt. That's where that came from. Uh, But now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to just talk about the general feelings that we have heading into this game. Nick, I want to start with you. This is a game that I think we've all known that Penn State season was going to come down to this. How do you feel about it now compared to how you felt beginning of the season after getting through that Michigan, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa stretch, and then after the loss to Minnesota a week or two ago? Well, it's interesting because I, on the one hand, I am less optimistic about Penn State's chances in this game just because of how how much more we know about Ohio state now and how good that we know that they are. But on the other hand, like you mentioned, Penn state got through the, I mean, they're still in the, this incredibly rough stretch of their schedule. This is the last, the last leg of that race, but getting through Iowa, Michigan, Michigan state, Minnesota, Indiana with only one loss is a pretty great accomplishment. I I know I know the Minnesota Minnesota loss is gutting just because of it coming right after Penn State being ranked fourth and all that, but you know it's I I feel I feel better about both teams than I did at the start of the season I think, but I just feel even better about where Ohio State is. But that being said, I as far as my feelings going into this game, I I think that I would be more nervous if Penn State hadn't lost to Minnesota because hmm. then at that point. 
at that point it's you know they're they're expected they they would have been expected to give the Buckeyes a really really close game and I think I think the team would know that they would have been expected of that too I think there's just going to be a lot more I th- there's just a lot less pressure on them right now the, obviously there's still the division to play for and a spot in the championship game to play for and a potential playoff berth to play for but it's no one no one expects Penn State to win this game. That's why they're 19, 18 and a half, whatever it is now, point underdogs. So I think it just gives them a really good chance to just be loose and play loose, which is something they haven't had the opportunity to do since 2016. I mean, the last two years the game's been I, I don't think the spread's been more than a touchdown. So I mean, me personally, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a I don't, I don't even know what it's it's a Obviously, yeah, I, I obviously, I'm not going to say it's a no a no loss scenario because obviously a loss would be upsetting and a loss is a loss, but it's it's just it's kind of freeing, I guess. Yeah, Matt, what about yourself? Are you kind of in that same place of you know all the pressures on Ohio State, nothing is on Penn State? Or are you still uh, are are you a little less? Um, I don't want to say optimistic than Nick. Are you in a different headspace than where Nick's at heading into this one? I think we're in pretty similar headspaces. Um, Shocker. Yeah, who would have guessed? Uh, overall, I think my feelings kind of settle on. I do think Ohio State is under a lot more pressure than Penn State to go out there and get this done. Um, just because Penn State does have that loss, and Penn State has, if we're to be honest, not looked all that impressive for let's say ever since the second half of Michigan is that fair to say or do you guys consider the Michigan State game as a really impressive win it's tough I mean they could have done more I think I think when we look back on things we're going to point to the Michigan game that second half of the Michigan game being the one where we started having some questions about this team that might not have been there otherwise, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's why I think all the pressure's on Ohio State, because Ohio State has not had a game that would make them, or any moments really, that would make them second-guess their greatness. So all the, the ball's in their court. It's at home. They're the number two team in the country. I think they're really trying to make a push for number one. Um, they're not going to get it. LSU is going to be number one, no matter what happens the rest of the way, I think, because they're not losing to the mighty future Houston nut team, Arkansas, and then whoever else they have the last week of the season. So all the pressure's on Ohio State, as it should be. I mean, I'm excited to see Penn State go in loose. I'm excited to see a James Franklin uh, team that goes in there loose because that's the role he thrived in. That 2016 team felt so magical because of that just what James Franklin did. He did it at Vanderbilt. So I'm really optimistic as per usual. I think Nick and I are probably the two biggest optimists on the site. Uh, but all the pressures on Ohio State, all the pressures on Ryan Day. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not quite there. Uh, for one, I, I, like I have this very stupid, not based on anything, conspiracy theory that we're absolutely getting Ohio State and Clemson this year, so they can turn Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence into this generation's Brady versus Manning. It is based on absolutely nothing, but when you think about it for two seconds, it also falls apart. For me, I I think that Ohio State is in this weird position where I. I I imagine they're they're hearing all the conversation about how this could potentially be a historically great college football team. I mean, Bill C. from ESPN had that uh, 
factoid that I believe it was a past Florida State team and a past Miami team are the only two teams that are be- have been better in SP Plus than this Ohio State team. And what, what year's won, Florida State team? Uh, the one that won was the national title with Jameis. It, it was the one that didn't lose to Oregon. I 2013, that would have been. Or they, I don't know. 2013. I don't know if they played Oregon. But 2013 was their last national title. So I'm assuming it's Correct. 2013. So when you're being put into that tier of teams, it, it's just interesting to me the headspace that that team could be in. Uh, because I don't think this is an Ohio State team that is going to necessarily collapse under pressure. But this is also an Ohio State team that hasn't had to play a full football game yet. That the toughest opponent that they've played is a Wisconsin team that did not match up well at all against them because Wisconsin just doesn't have the athletes and the caliber of football player that a Penn State team might have. At the or an same Illinois time, team. But, I'm... <laughs> but at the why, same time... Why is it like, a joke? Oh, true. He is... Yeah, he is correct. But at the same time, when I look at Penn State, this is a team that... I wonder if they're going into this one knowing that I would say they need every single bounce to go their way. Like they need to play a perfect football game. And even if they do that, they might not fully be in a position to win this because Ohio State is just really, really good. Uh, We'll get into this a little bit more later. But I think that it is very possible that Ohio State is going into this game next week's game against Michigan, and then the Big Ten Championship game against either Wisconsin or Minnesota, looking to make that statement. Or Illinois. That the, or Illinois, yes. Still Illinois. alive. <laughs> Technically win the Big Ten West. You mad, and man. Iowa, Iowa can also win the Big Ten West, no? Um, well, if Illinois can, I assume Iowa probably can too. <laughs> so they have this, they have so much in front of them. I just wonder if they are going to come into this game and try and put their foot on the gas, put it all the way down on the gas against a team that in the past couple of years has been a unique thorn in their side with how Penn State has been, always been able to make these games really close and really competitive, even if Ohio State has been able to come back and come out on top over the last couple of years. Do you want to hear the most Let's frustrating it, stat in the world? Absolutely. It, does it have to do with the fact that Ohio State is 2-0 and against Penn State in the last two years by a total of two points? Uh, it, it, in the similar vein, um, Penn State has outscored Ohio State in the past three games, and they are 1-2 and two in those games, and that's mm-hmm. that's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> well, it's three points, one point, and one yep. point. So that's... that. I wonder how many Penn State fans are basically leading on that. But again, that's something that we can get to a little bit later in this episode of the podcast. I want to get into just our general thoughts on this Ohio State team. Matt, I'll start with you. When you, In the time that you've watched the Buckeyes this year, what has really jumped out to you about what they are able to do on the football field? Um, Justin Fields is terrific. I, I can't mm-hmm. believe Jake Fromm started over him in Georgia. Not saying Jake Fromm's not great, um, but I, I think Justin Fields can do the Jake Fromm thing and complete six-yard passes uh, a lot, but then I think he can do a lot of other stuff. Uh, he's been terrific. His receivers have been great. And then J.K. Dobbins looks fantastic. I think, I, I don't know, his sophomore year is very weird to me. He he wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but he didn't take like a big step forward after being pretty impressive as a true freshman. Um, so the biggest thing for me is, well, we all know about Chase Young on the defense, but their offense has a lot of firepower. And, and, and it's just really, really scary. Justin Fields, I think, is better than 
anybody could have ever hoped for, especially considering what he was following, where people were talking about that Dwayne Haskins season, like it might be one of the best ever. I, I would have made the argument that Fields has, with two games to go in the regular season, the two biggest games, maybe has already surpassed that in terms of impressiveness. It's extra maddening knowing that Justin Fields, um, he, there, Don't there say is it. an, alt- Don't there say is an it. alternate, I was going to say, there's an alternate universe where he is quarterback yeah, in the no. game. <laughs> Northwestern. There is an, al- <laughs> an alternate uni- universe where he is quarterbacking this game, just wearing a different uniform. Uh, Nick, for you, what is it that jumps out about this Ohio State team? Just how complete they are. Uh, they have, they just have no, no discernible weaknesses. They, uh, and and maybe maybe it's just that they haven't really been, those weaknesses haven't been exposed yet because they just haven't. They haven't played a team like Penn State who they haven't played a team as talented as Penn State, nor a team that I don't think it's an any I don't think I'm ruffling any feathers when I say Penn State is a better has a better chance of beating Ohio State than Wisconsin does. I it's the they haven't seen a team like Penn State, so maybe they'll expose a weakness or two, but they're just so they're so complete. They can throw the ball, they can run the ball. They are great at stopping the run, and they also have two of the best, maybe the two best cornerbacks in the entire country. Um, th- that's probably probably not that far, but it's, I, for my money, the best cornerback, uh, cornerback duo in the country with Sean Wade and Jeffrey Okuda. So it's just they they don't they they don't have a specific thing that it makes sense to attack. I think that's what makes them so dangerous. That's what basically jumps out for me. It's that in the event that Penn State is to win this game, like I mentioned a second ago, I think that Penn State could play a perfect game and still lose. I think that this Ohio State team is just really complete on both sides of the football. And it will take, you know, maybe one or two mistakes that they wouldn't normally make for Penn State to win. They are fast, they are physical, they are well-coached. And the thing that interests me about Ohio State so much is how this is a team that could conceivably lose 20 of their 22 starters to the NFL next year. Like Ohio State is a team, team of juniors, seniors, redshirt sophomores, those kinds of guys. And I'm very interested in whether or not the past battles against Penn State have kind of hardened them. Not even just against Penn State, against basically everyone. Ohio State's been in wars over the last couple of years, and we they look like a football team that knows what they have to do to win football games every time out, and they're motivated enough to go and do it. I think that That could end up being a problem for Penn State. That could end up being a really big issue for Penn State if they are able to keep this game tight. But for Penn State to keep this game tight, it's going to come down to winning on both sides of the football. So let's break down this Ohio State team and what jumps out about them for us when they're going up against Penn State's main unit. Starting off with the Ohio State offense against the Penn State defense, Nick, I'll start with you. When I see this Ohio State offense, I basically see a team that I don't think they're necessarily doing a whole lot that we haven't seen out of them in the past, but it just seems like 
a bunch of dudes have reached their final forms and we are seeing what that looks like. Would you agree <laughs> with that? I love that. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that I'd say that's a pretty sensible observation. Uh, I know Matt mentioned J.K. Dobbins before. I think he's kind of the, the poster child for what you just said. He has, he was great as a freshman. He kind of plateaued a little bit, and now he is just firing on every single cylinder you could possibly fire on. And I, I agree. I think that's what makes this Ohio State offense so dangerous. They and 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 you know I th- I think one thing that is notable about them is that they haven't had to win a game by passing the ball yet. They've been able to get away with just running Dobbins nonstop. And I, with how good of a rush defense Penn State has. I'm not sure they'll be able to completely control Dobbins. I don't know if anybody or any offense is really capable of doing that, but I think they'll be able to slow him down to the point, and I think Penn State's offense has the ability to score enough to the point that Justin Fields is going to have to throw the ball to win this game, and that could be a good thing for Penn State, but it could also be a... Especially mm-hmm. if the forecast for rain holds, but it could also end up being a really bad thing. One, because we just we don't know what a game looks like where Justin Fields has to take over with his arm. Uh, but on the other hand, we've seen this we've seen this story before with Penn State, Ohio State. We've seen JT Barrett and JT Barrett have the game of his life, and we saw Dwayne Haskins have the screen game of his life a year ago. And <laughs> we don't talk about and, that. And we've seen the Penn State secondary obviously be really shaky in recent weeks. Um, and I, I assume your next question is going to be kind of what the key is, in this matchup is between Penn State's mm-hmm. defense and Ohio State's offense. So uh, for the side I wrote, I think the key for Penn State's defense is is to just, as much as it's going to hurt, I think you just have to let Justin Fields get his and just avoid getting beat over the top. I think it's pretty clear at this point that teams are going to be able to complete short and intermediate passes against this Penn State defense, but they just cannot allow those guys to get over the top, and they can't allow them to score that quickly. It they they just can't. I, Matt, do you kind of share that sentiment, or are you uh, do you think that there's something that something else that sticks out about Ohio State? I'd echo that sentiment. Um, I, I think, like you said, J.K. Dobbins is performing at a whole different level. Uh, he he went from a guy who looked like it was going to be there as a senior to a guy who could potentially be third-round pick at the least. Uh, he, he's looked fantastic. Um, so from a defensive standpoint, I'm going to suggest something. Not that I think anybody on the coaching staff is listening to this, but I'm just going to speculate. I really want to see what it looks like if they choose to go nickel the entire time, Penn State's defense, and just bets on their defensive line shutting down J.K. Dobbins. So Jan Johnson plays a little bit less. You go with a lot of Micah Parsons and Cam Brown, and you put Lamont Wade in there in that star role. And from what the staff has noticed on film, you have him just key in on the guy most likely to catch a screen, and that's his guy. Jaquan Brisker plays center field. Lamont Wade basically just shadows whoever that receiver is going to be the whole game as they try to eliminate the screen game. Because... I'm willing to bet Ohio State is prepared to call seven screen passes, at least. What do you think? A whole lot. A whole lot. So I, I'm really curious to see what the different kind of game plan is. Because it, from what you've seen from this defensive front so far for Penn State, is that they can shut down pretty much anybody. So I, I And now you have in, the, um, in the Minnesota game, it was a little bit weird because Antonio Shelton was out, and that's a guy who plays 35-plus snaps a game if he has to. 
So you have a whole six drives, five, six drives worth of another fresh defensive lineman now. So I, I, I'm just really curious to see if they put all their chips in on the defensive line, being able to shut down the run, and then seeing what the back half of the defense looks like as they try to limit one of the most dangerous receiving cores in the Big Ten. That That's basically what I'm interested in, because the thing with Ohio State is we spend a lot of time deservedly talking about uh, Justin Fields and what he is able to do, uh, how talented he is, all this stuff. Well, the only schools that have better rushing offenses in terms of yards per game than Ohio State are the service academies. And I am just... Th- th- that's where I think Penn State has the potential to make life difficult for Ohio State. It's strength on strength. It's the best rushing offense in the Big Ten against the best rushing defense in the Big Ten. And I think Penn State is going to do everything they can to really, to like we've had to mention, put this game on the arm of Justin Fields, make those receivers beat them, which as we've seen in the last couple of weeks is a pretty good strategy for beating this Penn State team. I want to know if what Matt says is true, and it's something that I wouldn't be surprised if they go with with how much uh, Ohio State likes to have three receivers and a tight end out there. Are they basically willing to have Lamont Wade come down into the slot and go with that nickel and take that linebacker uh, off the field, take an extra linebacker off the field and basically have the numbers match up so it's Ohio State's five linemen and a tight end versus four down linemen for Penn State and two linebackers? Or do they keep that extra linebacker in there and basically say, listen, you want to run the football, you have to go up against a team that is designed to stop teams from running the football, and if you can, God bless you because nobody else has. I think Penn State probably goes with what Matt says, but I wouldn't be stunned if they do that either. This is also the game, and I'll flick this out to either of you, Penn State's pass rush that has been a bit maligned over recent weeks this is the game where it has to have the game that we have all been expecting out of it. Because if they can't get into the backfield and if they can't disrupt fields, sack him, force him into decisions he doesn't want to make, they're losing this football game. Yeah, they are. It's, it, it's, I mean, it's the same formula we've seen in this game for the last however many years. For, for whatever reason... Penn State's defensive line has always been able to come to play in this game, and it's made a difference, especially thinking back to that 2016 game when Garrett Sickles oh, they sacked came in, him in again. second half. Oh, they sacked <laughs> him again. When Garrett Shut Sickles... up, Fowler. They're going to the Armed Forces Bowl. <laughs> when Garrett Sickles came in the second half of that game, he was just an absolute terror, and they, mm-hmm. they couldn't do anything to stop him. And Oh, in 2017, they, yeah. they, I still contend they probably win that game if Garrett Sickles doesn't get hurt. Yeah, and uh, Ryan you mean Ryan Buckles? Ryan Buckles, that yeah. is correct. My bad. Ryan Buckles and didn't uh, somebody else got hurt? Didn't did Ryan Bates, Bates get Bates. hurt in that game too? Yeah, Bates got hurt. Yeah, that's that was a blow. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll touch on this a little bit. I think Penn State's pass rush doesn't necessarily have to get home, but they have to find a way to disrupt Justin Fields in other ways, and whether that's uh, noticing screens really quickly and breaking out and trying to deny it as fast as they can. I don't know, but with how little they've gotten home and with how athletic Justin Fields is, he's not going to be like Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, for lack of a better term, was a statue relatively 
in the pocket compared mm-hmm. to what Justin Fields can do. So they're going to have to get creative with what they do. Um, so I, I think on obvious passing downs, like let's say you're third and longs, you're bringing the house and you're trying to rattle what is a still relatively inexperienced quarterback. Fields really hasn't had any problems, so we don't know how he would bounce back from that. But th- if it's not the pass rush, Sean Spencer and Brent Pryor have to find a way to get those guys involved in, a w- in some kind of way because they're too good not to be in a stat sheet in some capacity. Remember that time that Stephen A. Smith said that Dwayne Haskins was a great running quarterback? That was amazing. Did you? So I'm going to go on another Ohio State tangent here. Have you ever seen the clip of when Urban Meyer went on Colin Cowherd's show and he asks uh, Cowherd asked Meyer yes. how he let him yes, get out I of Ohio? Have. How he let Joe Burrow get out of Ohio? Yeah, Joe Burrow. And Urban said, "Well, he played for us for three years." And Cowherd's like, "Oh, oh, really? The, oh, that was the funniest interesting. thing. Interesting. Oh, so you know him." You've spoken with him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. The guy that I think I'm probably want outside of Penn State's secondary, which I think if they play, they have to play exponentially better than they last week. I'm really interested to see how they use Micah Parsons here because he, 15 tackles. It's coming. Th- 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 well, that's the thing. Like, how do you balance? understanding that Ohio State can run the football really well and Micah is your best linebacker versus he is also the guy that meet, that makes havoc plays. He is the guy that will get into the backfield and get a tackle for loss and he'll read and diagnose everything quicker than everyone. And you should probably send him pretty frequently if the pass rush isn't able to get home. I think if the pass rush can't get home, which I'm a bit pessimistic they'll be able to do, that's going to free up Micah Parsons to do things in the middle of the field that can really change the game. And if that happens, I like Penn State's chances, but Penn State's defense is going to, while Penn State's defense is going to have a tough one, Penn State's offense might have an even tougher one. Ohio State leads college football in points allowed per game and yards allowed per game. They are second in sacks per game. And oh, by the way, they are getting back the best defensive player in the country who has been, um, for a relatively garbage reason, unable to play the last couple of weeks. Matt, when you look at this Ohio State defense, what does Penn State have to do if it wants to be able to have any success against, again, the best unit in the country? I think they have to take a play uh, a play out of what a lot of teams do to Penn State's playbook, and they have to use that speed against them. I think they're going to have to just run short little dink and dunk passes it's abundantly frustrating because we've seen them run the screen pass with a lot of success. We saw it at Maryland and then it seemingly just went away. I'm of the mindset that we haven't seen a good 15% of this offense because I think the coaching staff knew they could get this far and still be in the playoff conversation just based on talent alone. So I think we're going to see a lot of new stuff on Saturday, but if they want any chance, they have to use Ohio state speed against them and they have to get, their playmakers behind Sean Clifford, uh, so they're not disrupting him, and then go little dink passes. I, I think KJ Hamler is going to be ready to go. Um, oh God, please, be please, ready Ricky to go. Slade. I think Ricky Slade can have a really fantastic game as a pass catcher. Why? I think he could be terrific. And sleeper pick, I'm going to go Dan Chisena, 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 Chisena. Ah, you stole mine. Ah, uh, sorry. I want to see them on a like a midline screen where he just comes down, and then I just want to see him take off. And, and nothing would make me happier than seeing that dude just tearing off like a 75-yard touchdown to, to, to take the crowd out of it early on. I, I think that would be absolutely fantastic and really cause some headaches. Uh, Nick, over to you. 
how does Penn State attack this deep? Because for all everything that Matt just said and everything that I agree with, I still don't know if they're going to be able to do that. How does Penn State attack this defense? I think firstly they they do need to be able to run the ball just because they like I wrote they're not going to win a shootout against Ohio State so they're going to need to be able to run the ball and extend drives a little bit and thankfully you know Journey Brown has been really good the last few weeks and Devin Ford has shown flashes and it sounds like Noah Kane might be back for this game he's who playing. really knows he's there's who no really doubt, there's knows, no doubt but... in my mind he's playing he could have played the past two weeks but why play him <laughs> I, I I'm so confident that he's gonna play but regardless of who's in there, it, it's going to be a pretty good back in the backfield with Clifford regardless. So I, I think that they do need to continue to put somewhat of, an, somewhat of an emphasis on running the football. And the offensive line has been blocking the run game pretty well in the recent weeks. They obviously have a huge challenge against this Ohio, uh, Ohio State defensive line, but you know progress is progress. Um, other than that, I, I, do agree, I agree with Matt. I think it's, it's going to come down to understanding that big plays over the top I I think some will come I'm not saying well I should rephrase I think some opportunities for that will come but they're going to have to live by keeping keeping the passes in front of the Ohio State secondary because those guys are just so talented and so fast and they're all so good with the so such good ball hawks that you just can't give them opportunities to go up and uh, pick Clifford off so I, I agree. I think it's going to come down to a lot of those short passes and screens and hopefully something we haven't seen. It, it's funny because it's so antithetical to how Penn State wants to play football. Like Penn State believes in the big play. Penn State believes that it has a guy in K.J. Hamler who is able to get behind a defense and make big plays. A guy in Pat Fryermuth who can catch a ball at the sticks and then fight for a few extra yards. Running backs with speed and athleticism and all that stuff. And also, if they try to do the big play thing against Ohio State, they're doomed because Ohio State will not let them do that. So I do agree with all you guys. I think that what Penn State has to do... Do you remember in the 2017 game, Saquon Barkley houses the opening kickoff... But then when Penn State's offense got onto the field, it seemed like they were happy to do more smoke and mirrors type stuff. It seemed like they were happy to basically say, okay, we'll have Trey spread the ball out. We'll get the ball to Saquon in positions where he's in one-on-ones, which it's different doing that with Saquon Barkley and basically any other running back to come through college football. I think they're going to have to do that, but I think they're going to have to make sure that as they're doing it, they're getting something out of it. The one thing I don't necessarily like about doing screens and incorporating those into the offense is I don't like throwing the football at the line of scrimmage or a yard past the line of scrimmage. If they're going to beat Ohio State, I think they have to get the ball to people in the middle of the field. I think Pat Fryermuth and Nick Bowers are going to be have to be especially big options in this one with their physicality, with their reliability, catching it, all that stuff. And maybe, just maybe, they're able to catch Ohio State cheating up, and that opens up K.J. Hamler or Jahan Dotson or something like that. Regardless of that, man, is it hard for me to foresee a scenario in which Penn State's able to get the ball, move the ball with too much consistency, which brings us to Sean Clifford. I want to talk about him really quickly. I think you guys agree with me that he has to 
have what so far has been the game of his life. So, uh, Nick, we can start with you, and then Matt, you can chime in. What is the game of his life for Sean Clifford, and how can, does he have to basically outplay Justin Fields, or is it simply not going out there, not making mistakes, and just do, taking what the defense gives him for you know 60 minutes of game time? Uh, I think it's more more towards the latter. I think that that has been the one thing that he hasn't been able to totally do with consistency yet this year. We've seen him be brilliant in stretches. We've just seen we've just also seen stretches where he just makes the wrong read or makes the wrong throw. I think if he can be the Sean Clifford that we've seen in bursts, think the first half of Michigan or the. Uh, the second half of Minnesota. If he can be that guy for a full 60 minutes, then I think that would qualify as game of his life status. And I don't think it really matters what Justin Fields does on the other side. I I, I think if Clifford is able to play his game and he is able to be the guy that we've seen him be, then I think Penn State's in this ballgame regardless of what Fields does on the other end. Matt, what do you think? I'm going to go the opposite direction. I, I think Clifford's been really smart with the football by at large, save the Minnesota game. Um, I I think it all comes down to him combining that fearlessness we've seen him had to throw it deep when he has a guy with those smart decision making that we've seen him have on the shorter intermediate passes. Uh, I, I he's we've seen him be smart with the football. We've seen him connect the big throws. So for it to be the game of his life, he just has to put it all together. He has the skills to do it all, and it's just going to be him making the right read and consistently delivering the ball to a spot where receivers can catch it. And kudos to, like, he seems very ready for this. Like, just in everything we've seen and heard out of him, he seems ready for this stage, which goes he's for a lot be. of guys. He's got to like, be right. And he, he's, he's from Ohio. Be. I mean, this has to be feeling like one of the biggest opportunities he's ever had. I, I, I don't know off the top of my head if he had an Ohio State offer. I'm assuming he did. Um, but I, I think a lot of people view Sean Clifford as the guy who's only starting because Justin Fields isn't here. Do you guys think that's fair to say? If Fields was staying here, he'd be the starter? I'd probably agree with I that. I think Clifford's going to go into that game with the biggest chip on his shoulder imaginable, and I think he's going to be running over dudes for extra yards like a madman. According to 24-7, he did not have an offer from Ohio State. There's it, more fuel to the fire. It, it doesn't even look like they, uh, you know, there was interest there, but he was recruited primarily by Ricky Ronnie and then Herb Hand, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> the thing with Qu- again, he seems ready for this, and this seems like something that we've seen out of all these Penn State players. I mean, uh, J.K. Dobbins had that quote. Th- this is going to get very, uh, very millennial online nonsense. So for our older listeners, I apologize. He had a quote that got tweeted out that was then uh, liked by Lamont Wade and Micah Parsons about who says Ohio State has to. Play what an amazing sentence game. that was. I hate I hate that man. I'm so upset that I had that I was in a position where like me saying that made sense. But <laughs> it it seems like all these Penn State players are ready and they have been battle tested this year. I don't think that they're gonna get punched in the mouth and fold. I don't think Ohio State's gonna do that either. That all adds to this. And as we get to X, the X factor for Penn State to win, I want to strip away Ohio State for a second. I just want to talk about Penn State. Matt, we'll start with you. Who needs to be the X factor for Penn State? You can name one guy. You can name one or two guys. You can name someone on the other side of the ball. Whatever you want to be. 
Who needs to be the X factor for Penn State if it is going to go into Columbus as double-digit three-score underdogs and win this game? I've thought a lot about this since since I, I you sent over the itinerary for tonight. And at first I was thinking Rasheed Walker, but then I kind of thought to myself, well, you're really not going to stop Chase Young. You, you can slow him down, but you're not going to stop him. And then my thinking went to Jahan Dotson because KJ Hamler, assuming he's healthy, which I think he is, uh, and Pat Fryermuth are going to command a lot of attention. So that third and fourth option, whether that's Chisena, Shorter, Dotson, Bowers, etc., uh, is going to have to get open and make plays. And then as I started thinking to my earlier comment about Penn State going nickel a lot, I think it has to be someone on the defensive line, and I think it has to be Robert Windsor. Because I think Micah Parsons can get freed up if Robert Windsor eats up space. And he's not going to show up in the stat sheet. It's not going to be the prettiest performance. But I think if Robert Windsor comes out and plays like he did early in the season and towards the end of last season, things could get really frustrating for the Ohio State offense really quick. And we have never seen this Ohio State offense or Ryan Day as a head coach have to come back from something not working. So I I think Robert Windsor can go out there and really cement himself as a legitimate NFL. He's going to get drafted, but he could really boost his stock with that outstanding performance. And I think he's going to come out ready to go because he's been a starter on the past two years uh, when they had the fun collapses. And and I I think he remembers that. I think he's going to come out with his hair on fire. Uh, Nick, what about yourself? So Robert Windsor is a really good answer. And he is a very good answer. If Matt hadn't said that, I probably would have gone with Windsor. But since he did... Oh, I'm sorry. I took your two things. It's it's okay. Well, you, you only kind of took my Dan Shisetta one, actually. We'll get to that in a bit. But I'll go with someone other than Windsor. I think one of the obvious ones, you have to say Sean Clifford, right? Because Penn State needs him to be at his best. But I'm going to focus on and say Yitor Grossmatos. For similar reasons uh, as, as Robert Windsor, Penn State needs to pressure Justin Fields in this game if they're going to have a chance. And for Yitor Grossmatos, that that means being the guy that he was last year and getting into the backfield, not only for his own, not only for his own purposes, but in order to help free up Robert Windsor in the middle and Shaka Tony on the other end. They just they need him to be the guy that we thought he was going to be coming into this season. We Penn State needs him to be that potential that potential top fifteen NFL draft pick that so many people were expecting him to be. Because if if he can do that, then this is a completely different ballgame. I I'm going to use a lot of that uh, argument in a in a way, but I'm also going to go into the offensive side of the football, and I'm going to have I'm going to say they need a guy like Justin Shorter to play like someone who was the best wide receiver in America a year ago. Who was if the best wide receiver recruit in America a year ago? And I think we can reliably say that Ohio State's going to score points. With it's not even necessarily with how leaky Penn State's defense has been. Ohio State is just slowing them down is next to impossible. There is a ridiculous stat out there uh, about offenses in the Big Ten where Penn State has the second best scoring offense in the Big Ten at 36.8 points per game. Ohio State has the best in the Big Ten at 51.5 points per game. Ohio State's gaining nearly 100 more yards than the second-best offense in the Big Ten. They are really, really good, and they are going to score. I think Penn State's going... Oh, and also, Ryan Day is different from Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer in these games in the past has showed Penn State way too much respect and has been way too eager 
to play it close to the, the vest. I don't think Ryan Day is going to do that. I think he's going to say all systems go. Let's try and let, pour it on quickly, run Penn State out of this building. Penn State's offense is going to need to come up big. If KJ, Regardless of whether K.J. Hamler plays, regardless of whether Noah Kane plays, Penn State's going to need that extra dimension that it just hasn't had this year. We can reliably say that Sean Clifford is going to do Sean Clifford stuff all game, good, bad, otherwise, whatever. K.J. Hamler is going to be K.J. Hamler. Pat Frymer is going to be Pat Frymer. And Jahan Dotson is going to be able to fill in gaps where they pop up. They need a boost that they haven't gotten this year. And I think the guy who is the talent to be able to provide that for them is Justin Shorter. Justin, the raw talent to provide that for them. It is totally possible this stage is way too big for him, and he's not quite ready to contribute at this level. And they, you know, they sat him, or they... He lost his starting spot to a walk-on X-Track guy last week. Not exactly a vote of confidence. But if Justin Shorter is able to rise to the occasion and give them something positive, outside of what we've already seen out of him as a blocker, out of stuff like that, that's something that Penn State hasn't had this year. And that's going to give the offense an extra dimension that I think it needs to score with Ohio State. I'm a bit skeptical they will be able to do that. But that also gets into this next question. How does Penn State win this game? They limit Ohio State's ability to run. They don't give up big plays in the passing game, especially on third downs where Ohio State has the best third down defense in college football. And when opportunities pop up on offense, they need to take advantage of them every single time. They can't leave points on the field like they have in recent weeks. When scoring ops pop up, they have to get touchdowns. And they have to put it all together in a way that I'm... Again, I'm skeptical they will be able to. It is a lot to put on a young football team. One thing that I fully believe about this game is that on talent, Ohio State's only a little bit better, but on being in these battles and knowing what it takes to win them, Ohio State has a whole lot more than Penn State has. And I think Penn State's going to need its naivete to kind of work to its advantage here. If they are not perfect, they are going to lose this football game. They have to go out and take this, and they have to go out and win this one. Matt, question goes to you. What? How does Penn State go into Columbus and win this football game? Yeah, I'll give three things. Uh, the secondary needs to play any amount better than what they've been performing at. The secondary needs to do something. They, I, I don't know if people are hurt. I don't know if it's miscommunication. They need to play better. Just Plain and simple. They need that. Second thing they need is, I need my suspicion to be confirmed that we have not seen this full offense be unleashed. I think it's true, but with what we've seen so far, I'm not confident this current playbook is enough to beat Ohio State. So Ricky Ryan needs to have something up his sleeve, or multiple things up his sleeve, to get him ready to go. And the last thing is they have to keep it within 10 points at all times. If they let Ohio State get out to too far of a lead, it's going to be too much. But like I said before, this is an Ohio State team and Ryan Day and a head coach who have never been in a close game. And calling a close game is different than calling a blowout. So if they can keep it within 10 points at all times into the fourth quarter, if they're down 10 or less, I, I like their chances to come out with a win. And they just have to keep it close. The secondary has to play well. And Ricky Ryan needs to prove that he has something up his sleeve or, or else my whole perception of the offense this year is going to have to change. Nick, over to you. How does Penn State win this game? 
I'll, I'll point out a few things as well. I think first and foremost, like you mentioned, Bill, they have to stay ahead of the chains. They can't get into third and long, second and long, whatever it is, situations where Chase Young gets to just pin his ears back and come straight at Sean Clifford. Not that Young is going to be completely devoid of that those opportunities regardless of the game plan. He's going to rush the passer no matter what, but you can't consistently put yourselves in position to have him and the rest of that excellent Buckeye defensive line just tee off on Clifford and what end on what has been an improved but still imperfect Penn State offensive line. Secondly, I think you need to you need to control or try to control the pace of the game. You can't let this just be Ohio State running out scoring on three plays and then coming back coming back onto the coming back onto the field after a third and out after that. It's Penn State has to lengthen this game. They have to limit the amount of drives that both teams get, and that's going to happen with the run game. That's going to happen with the short passes, and that's going to happen with not allowing the Buckeyes to beat them over the top for big plays. And that not only comes down to uh, keeping the guys in front of them, but it comes down to tackling. We saw some pretty poor tackling um, against Indiana a week ago, especially on the one drive where forget who it was. I think it was the second touchdown Indiana scored. Um, and as well as the second touchdown that Minnesota scored, just some pretty awful tackling from Penn state's defense, mostly the secondary. So they're going to need to be a lot sounder in that regard. And then I think the third thing is that they just need to play loose. They need to play like they know they need to play like they know that they, there's not pressure on them. Like we talked about before, this is this should be as pressure-free of a situation as most of these guys have seen or been in. And I think if they just let it flow, they they stay loose, they stay energetic, then I think they can if they can get if they can get a stop, if they can get a score at any point, I, this is the kind of young and confident team that can feed off of the the. Um, I, I don't sadness isn't the word I'm looking for, but it's just what I'm going to go with the sadness of the, of the opposing fan base in the stadium. They, this just feels like the kind of team that lives to impose that on, on its opposition. So if they can just be that, if they can be that young and somewhat naive team, like you said, Bill, if they can be that team, then I think they have a fighter's chance. It, it, it's the Rocky four. Oh my God, the Russians bleeding. Like if they can yeah. get, yeah. Nick, are you my friend who hasn't seen any of the Rocky movies? I am. Oh, me too. Matt, have you never seen Matt, have you never seen any of the Rocky movies? Nope. I grew up in Allentown, which is not Philadelphia, but close enough. I have never seen any of the Rockies. Yeah, that you would like them because at a certain point they start they stop caring and they just try to be bad movies. They're great. Uh let's get let's get into predictions. Uh my guess is that I'm going to be in a bit of a different ballpark from you guys. Penn State uh, is an 18-point underdog in this one Nick line, 56.5. How does all that sound to you? First and foremost, I think the line is too big. I know that this is a really, really good Ohio State team, but this game is, has a history of being close, even when the talent on the two sides of the field is incredibly lopsided. I know new coach in Ryan Day, and it's a new situation, but I think that's way too many points uh, am I am I to give you my score prediction now as well, or am I just commenting on the spread currently? Give me give me that score prediction, baby. Okay, so I I do think Ohio State wins this game. I think I think the Buckeyes end up winning something like 
38 to 27. I don't think it gets really? I don't think it gets out of hand. I think Penn State is able to score because I think Pat Fryermuth is going to be a difference maker. I think that Clifford's really going to feed him and he's going to really he's going to really get into things on the offensive side of the ball. My bold prediction for the game is that Dan Chisena is kind of similar to what Matt said. Not, it's not going to be a screen. Dan Chisena is finally going to catch a deep ball and run it in for a touchdown. <laughs> it's happening. I uh, There is nothing I am more sure of than that that is happening on Saturday. Um, but I, I think that Penn State is going to give Ohio State's defense something they haven't seen. I, I think it's going to lead, to lead to some points. But in the end, I think the Ohio State offense is just going to be a little bit too much. Uh, the home field advantage just adding to it all as well. And I, I think the Buckeyes come on top, but I think Penn State definitely, definitely keeps it within the spread. Ooh, that that's a lot of points for Penn State, Matt. Are, are you – my guess is that you probably agree with Nick's sentiment but think that's a lot of points. Is that a fair That guess? is a lot of points. Um, I, I'm always super – every year I think we're going 12-0. and And no matter what my prediction <laughs> says, in my heart I think we're going 12-0. and It never changes. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go back to the, the point I was talking about throughout the day on our Slack and, and the weather in Columbus being disgusting. I get that Ohio State is a very, very far cry from the Michigan State offense, but in a says who that's true, says everybody says Mark D'Antonio probably. Um, but I, I think the weather is really going to cause some headaches for an Ohio State team that lives to get guys in space. Uh, I, I, I do think. Ohio State comes out with the win. I do have it closer. I think I'm going to put it at, in my game preview tomorrow, I'm going to have it at 28-24 Buckeyes. I think Penn State keeps it close to the end, and I, and I think they just get in too big of a hole for them to to dig themselves out of. So a close one, a heartbreaker. Uh, this one probably going to sting more than any of the other ones, but that's why we're fans. Boy, you guys are about to get mad at me. <laughs> Uh, I, I very I, much understand that my thoughts and feelings are irrational most of the time. You you can't hurt. Oh, you yeah. can't hurt me. No, I yeah, I, I live in Florida. Nothing can kill me. <laughs> oh God, Matt, you're a trooper, my man. Uh, Urban Meyer had a quote on BTN where he said he thinks the team that prepares better this week is going to win this game, which I found really interesting because. If I have to guess, Penn State's going to be the team that prepares better because they're the ones that have been, that have coached, you know, their entire staff in this game before. Well, coached and like Matt said, called plays, uh, made major decisions, all that sorts of thing. Penn State's going to be better prepared, I think. But there's one thing, two things that stick out for me. One is something I mentioned earlier, which is I think that Ohio State has a pretty a not particularly huge talent advantage, but still a talent advantage. And they have seniority. They have guys who have been in this game, been asked to make big plays in this game, knows what it means to go up against Penn State, that sort of thing. And then the other one, and this is the one that kind of swings for me and swings it in a, in a certain direction for me. And it's something that Matt has alluded to, but I think he and I take a different approach to it. When this game has happened in past years, Urban Meyer has gotten like ridiculously conservative. Urban Meyer's thing in big games, it's been his thing going back to his days at Utah with Alex Smith, is when he gets into these kinds of environments, he believes that he has the talent to win out over the course of 60 minutes, and he is going to let his quarterback win him the football game, make it gross, 
make it ugly, never try to do too much, and trust that the guy that you have under center is going to be able to do everything you need to win this game. We've seen it. We saw it two years ago with JT Barrett. We saw it last year with Dwayne Haskins once they started getting into that screen game, all that. Ryan Day is not wired like that, I don't think. I think he is more wired to say, we're going to go out and attack. We're going to attack, attack, attack. We are going to try and win this game on our own terms, play fast, play aggressive, put up points, all that. And that's something that I think Penn State, it's not that I don't think they're prepared for. I think they're going to be prepared for it. I just don't know if they're going to be able to stop that. 56 points, I think they get, they don't hit that. But minus 18, I think Ohio State does that comfortably. I have this at Ohio State 42, Penn State 13. I'm not sure Penn State's going to be able to score on them. I think Penn State's a year away from being able to win this football game. And I think Ohio State is just that good and has their eyes on something much bigger than being able to win the Big Ten and make it to the way. I think they they have their eyes on being on an historically good football team. I hate this. I hate everything about this game. The fact that it's going to be a sloppy mess and that plays to Penn State's defense's advantage is something that I like, but... I, I'm worried. You guys have put a little bit of faith in me, but I think Ohio State, I think Penn State keeps it close for a half, but then I think Ohio State is able to pull away a bit early, uh, a bit later in it. Uh, any final thoughts on this game before we get to talking about Northwestern? I think the interesting thing here is that I wouldn't be surprised by any outcome. Like what you just said would not yeah, surprise exactly. me if it played out. And uh, A blowout, a Penn State blowout would surprise me. Okay, Penn State well, blowing yes. them out would surprise well, me. Purdue did it. I was, I was going to say, on, on one level, yes, <laughs> but on another level, we've seen it the last two years, but different coach, different situation, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the inter- interesting thing here, though, is that everybody and their mother is going to make a prediction on this game in the next in the in the coming days here because it's it's the biggest college football game of the weekend that's why the btn tailgate the fox show and college game day are all going to be on campus at the same time Big which is noon which is pretty hilarious I, I i would love to i'd love to be a fly on the wall in s- somewhere Maybe it's like the fly on the wall for the stadium coordinator at Ohio State trying to figure out where to put all of these different pregame shows. Everything everything about this game is pointing to an Ohio State blowout similar to the one that Bill described. But that has been the case in the past. That, that was the case back in 2016 when Penn State beat then number two Ohio State. That was the case in 2014 that Ohio state team that went on to win the national championship, that Penn state team, that just that, that awful Penn state team took them the double overtime and then lost to Illinois four weeks later and not good Illinois. This wasn't lovey Illinois. This was Tim Beckman, Illinois. Uh, uh, Tim Beckman was still there, right? When? In 2014. Maybe. Might've yeah, been the last I, year. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. You have his phone number. You can always text him and ask. No, him. he, <laughs> He either he either got an he either got an Android or he changed his phone number because the the message went green last time I texted him. It made me super sad. <laughs> Dude, quick aside, uh, do you know what you, you know? How the hardest thing on earth is to uh, have a job in football and then be unable to find another job in football. Well, guess what Tim Beckman's job is right now. Well, it must not be football. It is not coaching a football team anywhere. But yes, continue. He uh, is a. Hmm. Do you know what Tim Beckman does? I have no idea, but I just went on to Google and 
and onto uh, his Wikipedia, and he hasn't to... coached anywhere since 2014. What's something? What's something that you, where you, your goal is to like? I you know what? I bet he's like a, he's like a corporate recruiter trying to steal people from <sighs> other from other places to his company. I bet he's a golf pro at like a two star golf place in like Illinois. Uh, I hate that we went down this road. Yeah, you, you uh, were uh, you were gone. Matt and I had some fantastic tangents on the podcast. Yeah, there there was gone. there was riffing. Yeah, we we came up with a well lot done. of a lot of off season content ideas. <laughs> yeah. Any again? Any final final things that we uh that that we would want to mention before we start getting into Big Ten chat? I don't, but I'm gonna open a tan. I'm gonna I'm gonna open a can of tangent here, a tangent, if you will. Well, uh, well yeah. done. Who does <laughs> who does Desmond Howard pick in this game, and what's his reasoning? Ohio Ohio State, and then Ohio State, but he says that they might have eyes on Michigan, and Penn State's <laughs> able to keep it closer. Than they oh, real quick, did you see Dave Wanstead's Big Ten power rankings? This Michigan week? number two, baby. He had Michigan number two, which is really funny. We're, we're doing we're doing this again. Where I, I mean, I'm a Penn State fan, so I can't I, I shouldn't say this after they jumped uh, Minnesota in the college football playoff poll. But we're doing this thing where we pretend that Penn State didn't beat Michigan and Michigan didn't look like, you know, boiled booty for the first two and a half months of the year. So, Oh, did Penn State beat Michigan? Yes, Penn State did. They, they might have gotten a little fortunate, but yes, Penn State beat Michigan. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. It's Fun nice. fact, uh, Jim Harbaugh went into that, you know, came out of halftime saying that this is going to be Michigan's finest hour and then they lost. Just, just floating that out there. But it changed them forever. Uh, yeah, it changed them forever in that I hope it leads to Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan after this year. Uh, let's get into Big Ten chat. Uh, we're going to go right off the bat with the game that I know you guys are going to want to talk about. Noon kick ABC from Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois, Northwestern. Hell yeah. Northwestern, yes. uh, fresh off of a galvanizing win over the worst team in college football, uh, plays host to number 10 Didn't Minnesota. cover the spread. <laughs> They did, did not. not. I, I took UMass. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> Same. I put my money where my mouth was. <laughs> Minnesota, 13 and a half point favorites over under 39 and a half. I think Minnesota is going to beat them like they stole something. So is, is Tanner Morgan him. playing? It's unclear if he's, but even then, like, I oh, can't Oh, yeah. Take, to, to be clear, I'm not saying it matters. I'm yeah, just curious. He is, he's in concussion protocol. Mm, so, mm, yeah. So probably 50-50 shot. Yeah, I don't think it matters. Um, instead, I mean, instead of instead of giving a thorough analysis on what Northwestern is, I'm going to ask a hypothetical question: Does Northwestern win this game if, let's say, tonight the NCAA the NCAA walks in walks into whatever off-campus housing Justin Fields lives at and says, "Justin, you are required to quarterback Northwestern this weekend." Does Northwestern uh, no. win? No, they would not because Pat Fitzgerald would resent him and not play him. Okay. If he played, if he started and played, would adding Justin Fields to this Northwestern team be enough to help them beat? And let's let's even say a Tanner Morgan-less Minnesota. No. No. Because, <laughs> like, think... Mi- you know where I stand. <laughs> because, like, I, I don't think that Minnesota's... I mean, not Minnesota. Northwestern's big issue is, like, necessarily their personnel it's just i don't think they Ah. like like don't get me wrong like their players haven't been great this year they're also not exactly being put into situate positions to succeed man i i don't disagree 
but Pat you, Fitzgerald you can't said say that RPOs, they're without talent. Hunter Hunter Pat, Johnson was a five star for a reason. Pat Fitzgerald said RPOs are communism. Like the purest my of communism. My email is hashtag I don't care. That's my absolute oh, favorite God. favorite Pat Fitzgerald comment. Because he's, he's not old at all. And he, uh, he has to know what an email address is, right? That it has to end in dot something. Like he has to. Yeah, I mean, he's he 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 stinks. I don't like him. Uh, do, do you guys want to keep talking about this game, or could we talk about someone other than Pat Fitzgerald? Is he old, really is he funny. old enough to not have had an AIM username? Uh, well, he went to college in the '90s, so possibly. Hmm. He's forty-four. I mean, he wants to he wants to be seventy-four so badly, though. <laughs> It would really rule if he was like one of those people who had aim, and when he would set his away, he would just like rotate between dashboard confessional lyrics. That would be cool. Or, or it would just be screen name was. Or it would just uh, be the time. <laughs> <laughs> or BRB. Uh, <laughs> I'm fairly confident Pat Fitzgerald was the kind of kid who thought TV stopped when you turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I think that. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put that in the universe. <laughs> I've never heard of a kid who did that, so I I feel like Matt's giving himself away a bit. No, no, no. Have, have you guys watched New Girl? No. Yes. Okay. All right. So you know the scene. You know. All right. So Nick Miller. Lots of they, whenever they do flashbacks to Nick Miller's childhood, there's the one where he talks about how he was ready to be an old man at like age eight, and it shows a flashback of him sitting on his front steps, and a frisbee flies into his yard, and it lands, and he just goes. Like get this damn thing out of here, and he just like throws it, but like like tosses it behind him and doesn't give it back. That was Pat Fitzgerald as a child. I like it. I can sure. Moving on, next noon kick uh, on BTN. Illinois six and four, bowl eligible, heading into Kinnick to take on Iowa. The Hawkeyes a fifteen and a half point favorite. Over under a forty seven. They're not hitting forty seven, and I don't think Iowa's covering. I think they. I, I think Iowa put so much into winning last week, and they have Nebraska next week that they're kind of in for a bit of a letdown. And I think Illinois is playing with enough confidence that they're going to be able to keep this within two scores. I heard on the Audible today that Illinois leads the country in turnover margin. Really? I I can't I, I can't verify that. I haven't checked it, but that's what I was listening to in the car on the way home, which makes a lot of sense. But I don't care. Illinois 24, Iowa 20. Oh, hell yeah, yeah, Nick. I think Kinnick's all out of magic after last week. Um, I hope Illinois wins so badly because then we have an 8-4 Illinois team, and that's hysterical. Oh, that'd be so... God, like, if there is any coach that deserves this, it's Luffy. So they they explained the path for Illinois to win the Big Ten West. I'm going to pull up the schedules real quick and try to see if I can recreate it. I know it takes... Oh, no, this is on the solid verbal they talked about this. There, it, it is a five. It's a five-game set that needs to happen. So one, uh, well, Northwestern needs to beat Minnesota this week. So I guess oh, I guess oh, it's out. But if Northwestern were to beat Minnesota, and Illinois were to beat Iowa this week, and Purdue were to beat Wisconsin, so that's three. That's three mm-hmm. of the five. And then next week, God, why does ESPN when he change week automatically go back to the entire schedule? Um, and then the week after that, Illinois needs to beat Northwestern. That's a given. And Wisconsin needs to beat Minnesota. That's it. And, and in these five simple steps, uh, <laughs> most of them, which are not plausible, uh, Illinois can 
earn the right to oh god i don't even want the only thing i'll say the only thing in there the only thing in there that is totally implausible is is northwestern beating minnesota yes purdue could definitely beat wisconsin i don't i won't say definitely but if they just like feed david bell and jeff brom is able to do some jeff brom magic who knows uh, Illinois ends with Northwest. Illinois is going to be seven and five. God, that is that's like legitimately cool. I, I'm I'm being an earnest dork about this, so we have to move on. And oh my God, do we have a game to move on to? Noon kick, FS1 from HighPoint.com Stadium in Piscataway, New Jersey. Rutgers plays host to Michigan State. ESPN doesn't have a line. Uh, for this one, so I have it at twenty and a half. You have it in twenty and a half in favor of Michigan State. Michigan yeah, State well, yes, that, obviously. Do you have the, uh, in favor of Michigan t- State. Michigan State's even like, well, what the hell are you doing that for? <laughs> well, it's twenty three and a half and an over under of forty four. So for forty four and a half. So if, if you want to bet on this game, you shouldn't do that. I don't think Rutgers is going to win. I want to get that out, you know, before anything else. But what I think is somewhat plausible is that Rutgers over the past couple of years, they have heard over and over and over about their struggles against Michigan state against Penn state against Michigan and against Ohio state. This is going to be the best opportunity that they've had to give it to one of those teams and give them a ball game and possibly even be in a position heading into the fourth quarter where it's a close game. I don't think they're going to win. But I think they're going to give Michigan State a bit of a game. This Michigan State team, I don't think I'm not going to ever accuse a football team of quitting. But who boy does this look like a football team that just wants to get to the end of this season? They just got shellacked by Michigan. I think Rutgers. I think it's good. We're going to be watching the Penn State game, but then we're also going to hear in the fourth quarter. You know what? Maybe we should look at what's going on on FS1 because I think Rutgers is going to be giving Michigan State a little more than they can handle. What do you guys think? I'm going to offer a suggestion to all of, our, all of our parent listeners out there. I do not have children. I am 22 years old. I will not have children until I no longer get acne. That is my rule. Uh, but if, you're, <laughs> if your child what is being rule. very annoying or recently acted up in school, make them write a four-page report on this game, and then I guarantee they will never do anything bad ever again. So if you do that, send it to me at PSUMath2005. <laughs> so I highly recommend that. Um, if Rutgers wins this game, Mark Antonio is fired, um, which um, you never want to see a guy get fired. But for Mark Antonio, it is probably best if he just rides off into the sunset and goes to do whatever warlocks do for his next 2,000-year slumber. <laughs> Nick, what do, you, what do you think on this one? All right. Are, are you are you in favor of that form of punitive justice? I the, I am very much in line with that because it's great writing. It's it would be a great exercise in descriptive writing. Um. <laughs> all right. So last weekend in both in both college and the NFL, it was I. This this is just a just a surface level observation. It appeared to be a very lucrative, uh, a very lucrative week for the betting world. Because a lot of favorites won. There were there were not many. I, I know there at least in the underdog pool I'm in, there wasn't a single upset out of those games. It, it was just it was a very favorite heavy weekend. And the way college football works is that that stuff just tends to you know even out 
over time. Oh, br- oh, brother, you know what game we're talking about next. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, I have already predicted Illinois beating Iowa. Don't do this. Do it. Do it for your home state. Don't do that. Rutgers do 17, Michigan State 14. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, now I have to Google and quickly see if there's a picture of Bruce Springsteen wearing any Rutgers gear. Oh, my sweet death, I think that is. Uh, oh. We will... We will, um, Matt and I will discuss this on our own. I, I, again, I, I just don't think they have the horses to be able to win that game, but I do think Michigan State looks deflated enough that they're going to, that they're going to sweep walk through this one a little bit. I would like um, to note that I think you only need one horse to keep up with Michigan State, not multiple. <laughs> just take it down to the old town. Right? I, would we're, al- we're, we're st- I would also like to question, so we talked about what Tim Beckman did after football, or posited what tim beckman did after football aside from let, let's say that d'antonio <laughs> goes into his goes into his warlock chamber for 10 years comes out what does he do when he's emerged back into the world as a not football coach does local seems... commercials for like cheese curds <laughs> well there's there is that he seems like one of those people who like gets hired by espn but not to get not to, in like a role that involves him communicating with a lot of people. He gets hired like, for the coach's broadcast of the national championship game, sits right. in the corner and doesn't say anything. No, like that. Like he gets hired I to do ran it. Or like a, a two minute segment every week where he's like, oh, the reason that Georgia is so good is their offensive line and just stuff like that where he gets to do like film breakdowns that nobody actually really enjoys watching because he lacks the. Uh, a, a certain explosiveness to do that. But I, the, the other option is he has like a comeback as an associate athletic director for facilities at Michigan state or something like that, which is just a way for him to keep making money off of Michigan state's dime. I want this picture him. Of Bruce Springsteen. You sent me bill is outstanding. <laughs> I love how Knights is spelled wrong on his shirt. I I'm going to have send that to a Rutgers fan friend and see if that's like a thing or if the, what, ask him what, ask him uh, if that's nunzio campanelli and see if they actually know what their new head coach looks like I, I am positive this friend does but yeah are there any uh are there any final thoughts before we get to the last good game this week i want mark d'antonio to become a middle school vice principal a middle school vice principal okay he'd be so mean would you really want to subject children to that yeah that's i i if I they if I they deserve it, it. Oh, God. Imagine Mark D'Antonio coaching Pop Warner. Ooh. Oh, God. Ooh, there we go. That's his next... His next career path is going to be being... Uh, what? Mm, I can't even think of what... Co- what? What is the Jerome Bettis commercial? Uh, the one where he plays flag football. For, yeah, the, the uh, really stupid catch. one. Is right, because Jer- Jerome Bettis would be a bad flag football player. Yeah, horrible. What is that for? It's for Geico. Geico, that's best. right. Mark D'Antonio is going to find his way into a Geico commercial somehow. Geico, if you want to sponsor us, hit us up. Uh, we will happily read your ads on this podcast, even though I have State Farm. Uh, moving on to <laughs> a, what, what actually is the potential? I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> I apologize. Insurance actually, is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there, there's nothing I love more than having a plan that makes it so if I ever get rear-ended. I will be able to file a claim relatively painlessly. Uh, 330 kick on ESPN. Actually, 
what could be a pretty fun game, Indiana playing host to Michigan. Michigan's a nine and a half point favorite. If that gets, if, if that goes up to like 10 or 11, I, I think Indiana might win. Has I think Indiana, there's a path where they can win this football game. Did you guys see the video of Shea Patterson where he's just like, yeah, we have a big one ahead of us. We just got to get through Indiana. Like they are overlooking Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I am really excited to see if um, Tom Allen can just work some magic. And it would be absolutely hysterical if after all this hype Michigan's getting, if they just fell flat on their face. I'm, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna rant on the parade here. I think Michigan destroys them. Boo. I think one of two, one of two things happen. One of two things happens. Either one... Like you said, either Michigan just annihilates them or Indiana wins this football game. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's there's no there's no close Michigan win here. But I think that I, I think I think Michigan's defense is just gonna completely, completely stifle them. And Penn State was able to run on Indiana last week. I think Michigan will be able to do the same. I think Michigan wins this game like forty two to twenty. Maybe forty two seventeen. I I don't think this ends up being particularly close. Plus, I've already predicted so much other underdog juju magic that I it can't happen everywhere. I I don't even have a good weed into this. Like three thirty kick BTN Nebraska hosts Mar no Maryland hosts Nebraska in a game of very sad football teams. Nebraska is a five point favorite. Um, I don't care about this game. Wait, the over under is sixty two and a half. Good lord. Okay, maybe I might watch a little bit of this football game if that many points are going to be scored. But sure, uh, actually, no, screw it. Screw Nebraska. Uh, Maryland wins this game. Why not? Historic Big Ten rivals, Maryland and Nebraska. <laughs> Very excited about that. I'm actually really intrigued by this one because I think, I think first of all, I think the fact that Maryland-Nebraska is a conference game is hysterical. Could you imagine <laughs> a, a more just culturally different teams? Like That'd be like if, oh God, what would be a good example? Of just two totally two teams that are in the same conference that make no sense. Florida State, Colorado. If like that somehow be, ever becomes a conference game, I was that gonna, would be. What about say Rutgers and Maryland? Nice. It took me a second. I'm like, well, that's that happens. <laughs> it took me a second. Or maybe I don't know, like Notre Dame or any conference. Notre Dame joining conference cowards. Um, Notre Dame TCU. Oh yuck! <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, give me. Give me Maryland in this one. I think the Terps, the Terps need something. So, good luck, Maryland. Scott Frost get off game. Nebraska thirty four, Maryland seventeen. Damn. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm just going what against the grain all over the place. Contrarian Nick. I uh, like most versions of Nick. Not a huge fan. Uh, moving on to the last game of the week. Uh, last game of the week. Uh, Purdue heading into Camp Randall to play Wisconsin four o'clock kick on Fox. Wisconsin a twenty-five point favorite. Uh, this uh, it, it, it's weird because like I don't think Wisconsin is quite as good as we yeah as maybe their record indicates or their place in the polls indicate. They're probably not the twelfth best team. Correct. Like they're. There, there's a big drop off after one, two, three, and then there's probably a big drop off after you get to like Penn State. Yeah, not even Penn State and uh, maybe behind Oklahoma. Maybe, but well, I was gonna say like behind Florida. For, yeah, so I, I'd get, say that, Florida. Get to that top three, and then like Georgia, Alabama, Oregon. If you want to say they're in their own tier, fine, whatever. Utah, Penn State, 
Oklahoma, Minnesota, Florida, and then it just kind of craters out. I think that's probably a good way of putting it, but yeah, I, I like I think Wisconsin wins this game. I don't care about it at all. And then next week, I really hope that they beat Minnesota, and then uh, Ohio State just kicks the hell out of them. Purdue wins. Clear the path. Oh God, no. <sighs> clear. The, I don't clear even, the I don't path, even know. baby. I I have no idea how Purdue would win. I I, I honestly have no idea what the game can game plan could possibly possibly be uh wisconsin big in this one is rondale more back or is he out for the year i was about he to ask that Does it, yeah I, I think i think i think that kind of minds well there no nobody's actually watched a purdue game at any well, point uh, this year so no one actually knows if i may uh br- from some purdue website brahm not quote truly optimistic unquote about rondale Moore playing saturday so like shut him down yeah, just shut it. Like you get nothing from Rondale Moore playing any games this year, so let, let let the young man chill. Let him let him catch his breath and let him go on Thanksgiving break early. Go on, yeah, go on Thanksgiving. And next year, listen, transfer to Penn year, State. Sure, that I would I would like that a lot. But next year, Purdue's wide receivers are going to be Rondale Moore and David Bell. That might be the best one-two receiver punch in all of the Big Ten. That's very good. Just. It's okay. Play the long game on this. Right one. after that Justin Shorter and Dan Chisena. Dan Chisena doesn't have Richard, any more Richard, eligibility. Richard Sr. He'll find oh, a way. Oh, man. Track doesn't count. Track is a sport, though, but track doesn't count. For oh, I was going to say, do not say track is not a sport because it is. And also, if you hear someone who did track, they would then get very mad at you, and rightly so. So I was a jumper because I didn't want to run, so I found a way around it. I was a jumper and a runner. I played baseball. Uh, I think that's it for this edition of the podcast. Any last things you guys want to add before I do the sign-off? Northwestern, 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 Northwestern. I've already changed my mind about Penn State losing, and now I want to say they're going to win, but I know that's wrong. So <laughs> Do it. Go. No, I'm not going to do it. Um, go State. Uh, I just hope it's not a blowout. I just want a fun game. Um, it's crazy that we're on game 11. Season went by so fast. Uh, I just hope it's a fun game, and I do not know how I'm going to sit through work or through the next two days just constantly thinking about this game. Know what you could do to speed up work? Uh, go back and watch highlights of Penn State basketball's first four games. Where Heck yeah. Been. Rank Penn State. Rank Penn State basketball, baby. They deserve this one. Uh, that's it for this edition of the podcast. It went a little bit long, and uh, we do apologize for that. But No, we don't. We think a- no, we don't. No, we do. We, we, we enjoy talking about this, but a game of this magnitude certainly does uh, deserve a little more attention than... The other ones that the Nittany Lions have played this year. Thank you very much for listening to it. Make sure once this is done, you're going to subscribing on our, the various places where you can get this podcast. Uh, we're on Spotify now. It really helps us if you subscribe there. So please go do that. Head on to iTunes, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. Make sure you're following us on all our various social media channels. Make sure you're heading... Uh, to the site, reading it, supporting it, checking out all our coverage of this week's game. And of course, make a make forum sure topic. Make a conversation forum to- going. Just get, just yes. reading the post isn't enough. Read it and support it. Yeah, get comment. Come on, guys. Let's uh let, let's talk about stuff. Let call us on uh the dumb things that Nick writes, all that. Uh last thing, make sure you're buying shirts. We still got them. They're so lovely and we think that you'll love them. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio for Nick Polak, for Matt Filipovitz. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Pat Fitzgerald doesn't know how to download a podcast. <laughs> Damn it.